This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tiger? The neutral zone. Oh, Oh, my God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. I did something today that I haven't done in about mm, four years now. I picked up a bocce ball for the first time in a four-year cycle. Because why? Because I signed up to play at the Western Regional for bocce. So I'm kind of like casually coming out of retirement. And the funny thing was I was talking to one Josh Watson whilst I was doing this. And as I threw my first uh, bocce ball in a long time, my fiance's response was, wow, you still know how to do this. And I thought to myself, <laughs> yeah, isn't it kind of like getting on a bike? Uh, but we'll see how the, uh, how the regional goes on uh, May 29th as I dust off the uh, bocce equipment and try this again. And no, I'm not going anywhere on this program or anywhere else on the network. I just decided I wanted to play yet again recreationally. So I'll keep you posted on the uh, Friday after the 29th weekend, and we'll see how things go. Well, joining me this week is one Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? I am doing well, Brock. It is Friday afternoon. It's been a beautiful week. There's a big track and field meet tomorrow, my first one since, oh, I don't know, about 2019, maybe maybe 2020. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend. And, of course, we have two Game 7s that we have to absorb or survive, depending on your view of things. <laughs> uh, yeah, survive, absorb. It could be both. It could be... Absolute both, but we'll we'll talk about that in in more depth in a little bit on the program. Also joining us is Claire Buchanan. Claire, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Brock. That story of uh, you coming back and playing bocce for the first time in quite some time uh, reminded me of when I came back from the states after playing basketball collegiate at the collegiate level and. Uh, got back into sledge hockey after not playing for seven years and it was not a pretty show. Um, it did not feel like riding a bike and, (laughs) um, my sled for one wasn't set up properly, but it definitely took some time to, uh, get back on the bike. If you, if, if you say so, uh, did not have the same experience with coming back to the sport. Was was I on that team back then? Sorry. Was I on that team? Yeah, I, it was, so this I, I don't season, remember a disaster, so I'm curious. <laughs> um, my first, I got back into sledge hockey. It was in the middle of the summer. So I did have a couple months before the actual season started, but I got notice of the women's tryouts, which are usually had um, held in the long weekend in August. So um, I had about six weeks to uh, get back into it. And uh, so I I honestly was on ice with uh, the guys that kind of um, take up the summer ice. And 
which would be the Billies and the Brads and the national team guys usually. But um, yeah, I luckily had a couple of months before um, any real game time stuff happened. Yeah, you're talking like three weeks for me at the time I found out that I was going to do this. And when I say found out, it's more like I decided... Oh yeah, let's do this. And it was like, what am I doing? And now, and now hearing you say, yeah, it's not like getting back on a bike. Good luck with that, pal. It's like, oh no, this is not good. <laughs> this is well, this is well, really not good. I I do have one tip based on our conversation, Brock, and that would be make sure the pets are out of the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Josh is yeah. Uh, yeah, like Josh I said, is, my sled was fighting against me, so. Um, might put a little bit of blame on the equipment, but uh, it was not a pretty show. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can, I can kind of relate. And uh, Josh is referring to because my cat has never seen a bocce ball, and so he was totally unaware of the fact that I was going to throw it. And I thought he would get out of the way fast enough. No, no. Instead, I hit him in the paw, and he was none too pleased with getting a bocce ball in the paw. But he is no worse for wear and just fine sleeping probably somewhere in my apartment as we sit here at the moment. What is like getting on a bike, also I hope, is our headlines. New York Islanders President and General Manager Lou Lamarillo announced this week that Barry Trotz has been relieved of his duties as head coach. This decision comes on the heels of a 37-35-10 and 10 season. Barry Trotz is an interesting coach because he always seems to have great success when it comes to regular seasons, but it seems to be the playoffs where his teams seem to struggle, and I can't help but wonder if that's the reason he is currently looking for a job. There's a rumor that he may be invited to come back to Winnipeg and coach their team next season, but we will wait and see. There could be some openings in either toronto or edmonton in a couple of days so we'll we'll see but i digress at this moment in time it's the end of an era after 12 seasons jennifer jones and caitlin laws will part ways jennifer jones will be joining Mackenzie zacharias to help her team along the way and caitlin laws will be skipping her own team look when you think of these two you think of them being together like peanut butter and jelly when we watch curling we knew that these two would be together they're going to be great separate but they were a dynamic duo together i wish them nothing but the best watching them compete against each other as opposed to with each other patrick marlowe announced via the players tribune that he is retiring after 23 seasons in the nhl Marlowe is the NHL's all-time games played leader with 1,779 games played. Now, this is a guy that really didn't want to take the spotlight at times, but he's one of those guys that you just wanted in the locker room. So I congratulate him on his long career and look forward to uh, what he has next. Monty Williams has won Coach of the Year in the NBA after leading the Phoenix Suns to a record season. They finished the regular season with a 64-18 and record. There's just something about this Suns team. They have been dominant the last two years and yet are still looking for an NBA title. 
it will be interesting to see if this is the year with their now award-winning coach. Fox Sports announced this week, immediately following his career, Tom Brady would join the Fox NFL Sunday team as an analyst. Tom Brady retweeted this, saying, I'm excited, but I still have some unfinished business off the field with the Buccaneers. Tom, I I don't understand. (laughs) Unfinished business? What haven't you won? You've won multiple Super Bowls. Come on now. Start your next career. Focus and give the NFL a chance to let someone else win for a while. I just, I, I'm so, so tired of of Tom Brady. But hey, I guess we get to listen to him now as well as watch him play. Great. Can you imagine having your job lined up 300 and some million dollars and the start date just not be there because you're still doing things on the field? Pretty crazy indeed. Those are your headlines for this week. Uh, let's check in on our Twitter poll questions. Which series, from a Canadian team perspective, had you the most intrigued during the first round of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs? 92% of you said Tampa Bay and Toronto. The other 8% was split between the Calgary-Dallas series and the Edmonton-LA series. Uh, this week's Twitter poll question focuses on Game 7 as a fan base. Uh, as an NHL fan of these Canadian team markets headed into the Game 7, how are you feeling? Not nervous, nervous um, slightly nervous, or panicked? You can cast your votes immediately following the program. I will have the Twitter poll up this week. I advise you to get it in your vote, that is, as quick as possible because it will only be up for 24 hours or so given when the Game 7s will take place. Coming up next, we're going to highlight an event taking place in Mississauga this weekend and our very own Josh Watson gets to compete in it. Let's find out how he's feeling ahead of his next event. Stay tuned for that conversation and more on The Neutral Zone. We'll be back. to get in touch with the neutral zone on twitter number one at ami audio number two at neutral zone br number three at neutral zone cb number four at neutral zone cam j and number five at j watson 200 now get out there and tweet one for the gipper Note to self, never start scrolling further down the segment when you think there's more to a promo than there actually is. And I think I would know now because we've listened to that for however long we've had that promo. But I'm back where I should be on the script. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Barack Richardson, alongside Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. Today marks the 
42nd edition of the Ontario Parasport Games. The first event was held in Cambridge, Ontario in 1975. This year, they're being held in Mississauga from May 13th to the 15th, which happens to be this weekend. Uh, the events you can see at this uh, great spectacle is wheelchair tennis, five-a-side soccer, goal ball, bocce, athletics, sitting volleyball, karate, para-ice hockey, and yes, that would be it. And so our very own Josh Watson is going to be competing in athletics. And you kind of touched on it off the top of the program that this is your first one in quite some time. How are we feeling at this point now that it's a little under 24 hours away? Honestly, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoy track and field. Um, Not that I don't enjoy para-ice hockey as well, but para-ice hockey is very much a team sport. Whereas in track and field, you are part of a team, so you have that support system. But ultimately, you are competing against yourself. You're competing against the standard. So in my case, I've done some work during the pandemic to try and stay in shape or get in better shape. And so this is kind of my first opportunity to see if all of my hard work is going to pay off the way I hope it will. And sure. so we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, ultimately, uh, it will be what it will be. And I've done this long enough that I'm focused on giving myself a starting point to build on through the rest of the season. But certainly I would like to perform well. So we'll see what happens. Yes, uh, it's... I mean, like I said off the top of the show, uh, to go back and do something after um, you either have had a layoff because of the pandemic, because you retired from international competition, it's it's a challenge to to get yourself sort of back in that that you know that shape. And I and there's been a lot of my teammates who have been messaging me for years saying, when are you coming back? And I say this in jest because it's not quite this simple, but, you know, it's hard to break from your life of like, I want to just do this and I want to do that. And I want to see, you know, what life brings. And, and I, and I joke with them all the time and I say, Nope, I prefer to eat the ice cream sandwich that's sitting in front of me as opposed to uh, competing. (laughs) But, the, the competitive itch has hit me again, as I'm sure it has you. I'm curious, uh, Josh, what would be your goal for this event, given that it has been quite a bit of time? Well, I don't specifically have a goal in mind. I'm going to be competing in two events, the shot put and the discus competition. And so... My only real goal is to keep my distances as close to pre-pandemic levels as I can. Uh, I do not practice in a manner where we measure throws while we are practicing. 
we focus on technique and form more than anything else. We don't focus on distance. So I really don't have an idea of where I'm at at this point. But pre-pandemic, I was throwing around six meters in the shot put. So I would like to be around that six meter mark again, if I can be. Discus is a little bit different because it's it's a little bit more of a technical event. Uh, so again, if I'm around say 15 meters, 10 to 15 meters, I think I'll be satisfied. I don't necessarily think I will be incredibly happy if it's closer to 10 meters, but Certainly, just being able to get back out there and compete is uh, is going to be a good thing. Josh, do you have an idea of how many other athletes are in your classification? And can you describe a little bit about your classification specifically? Sure. Uh, I am what is considered an F56 class athlete. And basically, the different classifications, as we touched on during our Paralympic coverage, basically come down to what parts of your body are affected and what parts are not. And so a 56 class is on the higher end of the classification scale. So basically, it means that I have issues with my lower body due to my spina bifida and am not able to use my legs for walking or or throwing in this case. Uh, as far as I am aware, in Ontario, I am the only 56, unless things have changed. Uh, every once in a while, you do have a new athlete come out and try it and, and like the sport and want to get involved. So there is a possibility that someone else will be there to compete against me but what you will often find in these events is they will use a point system to determine a winner for an event so you'll have multiple classifications in the same competition and each of their throws will be assigned a point value and from that point value a winner will be determined so it will be interesting. Um, a lot of my teammates will be my competition this weekend, which is usually how things go. I have heard that we could have 35 athletes in the track and field competition combined. I don't believe that's specific to throws, but I could be wrong. Um, so all in all, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out and how we all perform. Very cool. You touched on athletes uh, trying it out for the first time. There's, I think I saw on social media that they're holding a try it session uh, sometime throughout the weekend. They definitely are. My first event is tomorrow at 9.30 in the morning. The second event is at one twenty. But during the lunch period, which is approximately 11.30 in the morning, there is actually a try-it session that is going to take place. The social media post does have a 
Contact, which is the director of para-athletics for Cruiser Sports. Uh, her name is Lisa Myers-Hall. So it does ask that you email her if you are interested. I believe she is still accepting registrations for that. However, I don't know that for a fact. But there is definitely an opportunity for those who might have thought about it, wondered what it was like, and just want to come and give it a try. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I've i always loved uh, this event. I've always loved the Ontario Parasport Games because, because it is a mix between um, able-bodied events and Hera events as well. And they try to make it, as best as they can, a Paralympic type of feel. Um, where you can go and see other events if you have the ability to do that. Um, I just like it because there's more than just your own event. I think a lot of the time in, in the para-sports world, you go and you do your own event, and there's very few events um, where it's multiple events at the same time. And I and I like the fact that they do this um, for this event. I think it's a great idea. For me, I have uh, fond memories of the uh, 2008 Games, um, which was my first Paralympic year of going to the uh, to uh, the Paralympics. And I was on the cover of the program, which back then uh, they would hand out a program. They probably still do, but I haven't been involved that deeply in it to know um, for certain, but they handed out a program and I happened to be on the cover and I was looking at the cover today because uh, I couldn't exactly remember what uh, year it was. And it was just like, wow, I was so young back then. Like it was just, <laughs> it was so cool to, to do that. And, and um, you know, looking through the article and they did a, a big uh, one, one page article with that one. And it was just, it was fun to do and, and uh, fun to be around. So just a great event all in all. And I strongly urge people to uh, go and check it out in the uh, Mississauga area. Uh, if you are in other parts of the country and you'd like to check out some of it, the results are online. Just uh, Google Ontario Parasport Games and they will come up as the results are there. Also, Parasport TV, which is um, covered by Nico Cardarelli, who those here at AMI-audio are familiar with. He will have seven games of the para-ice hockey program and competition that will be online. So check that out. It's on YouTube, and that's parasporttv.com to get the link. So all in all, great event uh, coming up, and... uh, Best of luck to you, Josh, and I hope that we hear that you, if not matched your distances, bettered them. Best of luck. Thank you. It sounds like I'm letting Josh go, but I'm really not. He's sticking around. <laughs> you can't get for, rid of me that easy. He's sticking around for the second half of the program. And in the second half of the program, we will discuss mainstream sports. Stick around for those conversations next on The Neutral Zone. We'll be right back.
If you want to leave a message for the Neutral Zone, call now. 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. Um, I was asked a really intriguing question this week uh, when I did my Kelly & Company sports report. And for those of you that don't know, I do a weekly sports report uh, on Mondays, aside from when it's a long weekend, but I do a weekly sports report at 2.30 to about 2.44, so if you haven't heard them, uh, you can check it out. And last week, I was asked by Kelly McDonald, which outside of the main markets in the NHL, which teams do you believe faced the mo- face the most pressure from the media and, to some extent, the fans? And he listed off that I he didn't want me to say Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver. He wanted me to go completely off the board. And usually with those segments, we as contributors put the questions on the paper. But sometimes Kelly and Ramia will throw you a curveball. And this one to me was a curveball. And this is how I answered it in my in my segment. I said... If you're taking out those main markets, the market that stands out to me that gets a little more pressure is probably Pittsburgh. When you have guys like Crosby and Malkin, who have done a lot of winning, won Stanley Cups, things like that, that in and of itself brings a lot of pressure with that. And I've noticed that when the Penguins don't perform, there's a lot of wondering. There's been a, there's a lot of wondering what happened. There's a lot of wondering of like, how come they didn't do it this year? Are they getting older? Which they are. Um, what's going on in Pittsburgh? You know, the other one that sort of came to mind, which I didn't say, but um, was Chicago Blackhawks when they had Caves and Tane. Um, and, um, <laughs> and it's, it's it's another one of those scenarios where it's it's you know when they didn't perform it was like why not because they are supposed to be what they are they're making a lot of money so to me those are the two markets that I think of outside of the main ones Josh start with you do you have any others or would you like to add comment to um my two selections I think those are very good selections. Um, I chuckled a little bit because uh, I, there must be a short in my headphones, but I thought you said uh, caves and tane instead of taves I, and cane. I think um, I did. I think I did. You're right. Oops. Oh, well, whatever. We know who you meant. Um, <laughs> yeah. In my case, I'm not so sure about Pittsburgh personally. Um I think they've been successful for for a long time. 
I would venture to say maybe Philadelphia because there always seems to be a goalie controversy, excuse me, controversy there. And they seem to always be a talented team, but never getting where they need to go. So I, I would suggest Philadelphia be one of them. I wonder, given the success recently with McKinnon and McCarr and that team, whether Colorado is another one. Uh, Denver isn't the biggest place in the world. And from what I've seen, hockey seems to be a natural fit in that beautiful city. And so I wonder what things are like there if they are not uh, performing up to their capabilities. But it it's interesting because I think it all depends on how you define a market, whether it be a large market or a small market. If we're talking Canadian teams other than the ones you mentioned, then I suppose you can look at Calgary, although from a hockey market, I think it's pretty large personally. Uh, and so that leaves maybe an Ottawa or a Winnipeg. Maybe one of them, there's a lot of scrutiny given that it's a hockey city in Canada where hockey is a little more front of mind than it is in the U S but it's, it's definitely an interesting, uh, what we, what I would call a barstool debate. Claire, the interesting thing that I would, would venture as well. And and I think this does have some merit in that any team you support, whether you live there or you're, you know, here and you support another team if that is your team that um spotlight burns bright for those that fan base does it burn bright across the board maybe not but i just think any market would feel to to some degree that you know that lamp burning underneath them because that's the market that they're familiar with your thoughts on that yeah i mean sports in general is a fan powered uh fan base like it's the machine is run by the fans who buy the tickets and and buy into uh the product and uh touching on teams that should you think on paper and even in the way that they play in the regular season should be producing kind of a bigger success. Uh, just like Josh said, I would say Colorado um, uh, on paper, they have the talent and they've, they have made great runs in the playoffs, but I think that they are just missing one or two key pieces to, to really become one of those uh, teams to, really be afraid of going into uh, playoffs. Um, another one would be Boston. They, they do have some playoff ex, uh, experience and some playoff success. And when you look at their roster and, and especially as a Leafs fan, what they've done to the Leafs multiple times <laughs> over the years, you oh, would expect them. have to go there. <laughs> Did you have oh, the to trauma. do that? Yes. I mean, come on. Tomorrow, everyone is kind of uh, sitting on eggshells again as 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 we have come 
to be accustomed to. And, uh, but I mean, Boston, Boston is one of those teams where you look at them and you're like, why aren't they producing a bigger success? Um, but in terms of keeping it in within Canada, I would, I would point fingers at, uh, Vancouver, uh, a couple seasons ago, I definitely thought that they would at least make a uh, playoff appearance and, and run. And, um, that kind of fell short by the end of it all. And, uh, it's, I would say Vancouver is one of those teams that, uh, I think over the next couple of years, there's going to be just a big increase in pressure on them. I agree. Uh, let's switch gears to the, and by the way, it's a good thing I like Claire because she just like <laughs> ripped open a wound that had been starting to be scabbed over and it's burning on my <laughs> wrist over here now, but we'll just move on. Um, let's talk about the two game sevens, uh, that will be happening. Uh, let's start with Edmund. Actually, let's do this combined first. Which fan base, and I'm giving you guys both an opportunity to vote before the Twitter poll is even up. Which fan base is panicking the most, and which fan base is kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous, and I'm kind of not. Uh, Claire, let you go first on this one. Hands down, Toronto is shaking in their boots again. Uh, We see the meme every year. We're ready to get hurt again, but hopefully tonight, uh, tomorrow night is a much different story. Uh, They have done very well playing at home. Um, We saw the last time that they played at home. They, they played very well and it was an extremely exciting game. Um, Edmonton uh, and uh, LA, they have actually had success on the road. So it'll be interesting to see how their game seven ends up. Yeah. I think the the thing with Edmonton is that you were missing Darnell Nurse after his one game suspension for that headbutt uh, in game six. So you get him back for your game seven which is a big boost for them. Um, but it's it's very hard not to say Toronto just because we're, we're well, let's, let's be honest. I think all three of us are Leaf fans. And so we, we've all been through it. We've all been through the Bostons. We've all been through the Montreal's. We have friends who cheer for Montreal and like to rub salt in the wound every time that Toronto gets put out of the playoffs, even if their team hasn't been in uh, anywhere near the playoffs. So as a Leaf fan, I'm nervous. I, I don't know about anybody else. I think Edmonton fans should be nervous just because of how the team is and many people I believe thought that LA was going to be more of a pushover than they've been so I think there's going to be a lot of panic there in regards to they've pushed us to a game seven what 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 if they're on a roll and what are we going to do we've we've got McDavid and Drysaddle but who else is going to step up 
it's yeah. for me it's a toss up it really is yeah it really is a toss up all around i can say that i have it on um good authority i would say that uh someone i know uh knows the assistant gm in um edmonton and he was just in edmonton just prior to the uh playoffs and there is some nervous feel in Edmonton because they have this new nice arena. They have a really good team and they just cannot seem to get over that hump. Same can be said for Toronto. Now, as a person watching both series and understanding the way that all of this has gone, I will say that in the Toronto series specifically, I wasn't surprised that this is how this has gone because Toronto won game one, Tampa Bay won game two. Toronto won game three, Tampa Bay won game four, and so on and so forth. Game seven, I'm not confident in putting you know my last dollar down and saying it's going to be Toronto because even though we can say it's quite clear that it's moved back and forth, back and forth, a game seven is purely just a a guess really it's a coin flip of what do you call do you call heads do you call tails and where does it land and for toronto and edmonton they both have to stay disciplined they're taking stupid penalties in the last periods and costing their team and themselves games and you have to stay disciplined in in that regard as well. So I would well, say that that's the case there. Go ahead, Josh. Let's let's also remember that in the Toronto series, if memory serves me, there's only one team that has won on the road and that's Tampa Bay. Because I believe the first two games were in Toronto and Tampa took one of those games. So that that is what has me on edge. They've been there before, Tampa Bay. And they've won a road game in this series where Toronto has, I, I don't Did, believe Toronto has. Didn't Toronto win uh, game three, which would have been in Tampa Bay? Because if it went back and forth, Tor- Toronto would have won game one, Tampa would have won game two, and then Toronto would have won game three, which would have been in Tampa, if memory does serve me correctly. So I, I do think both teams have one on the road, but yeah, I I see what you're saying. And Tampa Bay has been there, been there, done that before. They've won two Stanley Cups. I saw a Simpsons uh, meme earlier this week, and it was, you know, the the kid was sitting on the back of the bus, and he said, you think you got me on the ropes at 3-2? And he was sitting beside two Stanley Cups. And that's the difference that I think sets Tampa Bay apart because Tampa Bay has been here in game sevens, whereas Toronto has been here, but they haven't been able to get over the hump of the situation. And so that's where I struggle. I want to touch quickly on Dallas, uh, Calgary. Uh, This one kind of surprises me as well. I didn't think that Dallas had the horses to hang with um, Calgary as they have, 
I thought this was going to be a, you know, five game, not a, not a sweep, but are you guys surprised? And Josh, I know you said you were. Claire, let's start with you on that one, just for a quick comment. Yeah, I am, and I completely agree with you. Uh, coming into that series, uh, I definitely thought that Calgary had a little bit of more edge on Dallas, but it's turning out to be quite a quite a series. I've watched a few of the games uh, fully, and it's they're they're very uh, even across the boards. They are it's they're really putting on a show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the series for me has been one of the more entertaining ones to watch. I usually end up watching it over my breakfast because I just don't choose to stay up to see the final period of, of the games. And in some cases, that's where the game has been finally decided. I think Calgary has had a bit of a discipline issue, much like we've seen in other series. There, there were certainly some concerns earlier on that maybe Matthew Kachuk was getting involved in a few too many extracurricular activities after whistles and things like that. You, you really have to ride a, a thin line when it comes to that sort of thing because you want to draw penalties from the other team, but you don't want to be the one guy in the scrum who's pulled out of the pile and sent to the penalty box. And sometimes when you're more of a physical player, the referee just goes, oh, Kachuk, you were there. Off you go. And having a guy like that in the penalty box is going to hurt them because he is so dynamic. So it will be interesting to see the discipline that Daryl Sutter is able to get out of his team. I think they absolutely won the goalie sweepstakes when they got Jacob Markstrom in the offseason. I think he's been huge for them because we've we've seen them make playoffs before but have an untimely goal here and there. I can't think of a game this series where that's happened. So it's it's one of my favorite non-Leaf series to watch. I couldn't agree more. Uh, with that, we're going to take a break and we're going to switch gears to the Toronto Blue Jays. They're scuffling a little bit. Should we be concerned or is part of it due to officiating? We'll dive into that conversation next year on the Neutral Zone. Stay with us. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Josh Watson and Claire Buchanan. And for those of you uh, keeping track, saying, didn't you have the same lineup last week? Yes, we did. Cam Jenkins will be back next week. We will be putting him to work. Don't you worry. The Toronto Blue Jays have been scuffling. Well, it's a simple question. Should we be concerned, Josh? Yes or no? It's a long season. 
I I want to believe that. <laughs> I I really do, but it's also very early in the year for people to start getting thrown out of games. And as we've seen, Charlie Montoyo has been tossed out of at least one, sorry, two games now that I can think of off the top of my head. There's been questions about the strike zone repeatedly. And not to mention, there's been some very questionable decisions made on the diamond by some of the umpiring crews that we've seen. And I'm sure it's not just in series against the Blue Jays, but it sure feels that way. And, you know, that could be a product of the fact that in Toronto and in Canada, those are the games that theoretically most people would watch. Now, I grant you, you're going to have some Tiger fans, you're going to have some Seattle Mariner fans because of out west and all that but even out west when i've been there what's on the the tv out there is usually toronto blue Jays. but yeah it it really does feel that way and we'll see what happens claire to be concerned before i get on the uh, situation that happened on uh, tuesday evening <laughs> i think if you aren't concerned yet or right now you should like it's we're going to be creeping into the time to start getting a little bit concerned. Um, we might not need to kind of get ahead of ourselves right now, but uh, despite it being a long season, yes, um, at the end of the day, looking back at last season, we missed the playoffs by one game. So I think at this point, even the fan base, the team, um, all the way down to uh, Montoya, uh, they realize that every game matters and every series matters. Uh, so um, maybe no no time to get concerned right now, but um, if this kind of continues on for the next few weeks, we might be heading into that uh, cautionary zone. Yeah, and because... Go ahead, Josh. Let's... And and let's let's not kid ourselves. We're absolutely right. Every game is is important, but we've already had a better record to start the season than we did last year. And I th- believe that the Blue Jays are actually picking the perfect time to have this slump because the fan base is distracted. There's a lot of Leaf fans. There's a lot of hockey fans in general in the Toronto market. So they will be focused on the Stanley cup playoffs. They know that the blue Jays are there and they're probably loosely following along. But if this was say July or August, when the blue Jays are really the one a or one B in town, I think there would be a lot more hand wringing and, and panicking going on amongst the fan base because there would be the Blue Jays and TFC to follow and not much else. Speaking of a lot of hand wringing, let's talk about uh, Tuesday's game against the New York Yankees. Jimmy Garcia was on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays and hit Josh Donaldson in a tie game which then subsequently put the go-ahead run at the time on base. 
the umpire, without an issuing warning, uh, ejected uh, Garcia and then Charlie Montoyo. Charlie Montoyo theoretically gets an automatic uh, ejection because when a player is deemed to be throwing at another player intentionally, it is thought that the manager would have had something to do with that. I find it interesting that the MLB did not follow through with that automatic one-game suspension for Charlie Montoyo or Garcia. (laughs) Uh, To me, that kind of smells like we know there was something wrong here. Um, What say you guys? And Josh, you're the first one to have spoke on this. So what say you? What a joke. What an absolute joke. First of all, I'd like to know how they actually got to an umpire and got him to speak into a microphone, because I've never seen that before. But second, to listen to his explanation of why there was no warning, saying that he overheard the catcher for Toronto and Donaldson having a, I believe he said, heated discussion earlier in the game. Jimmy Garcia is in the far end of the ballpark at that point. He's nowhere near the plate. So how does he know that went on? To to decide, okay, the next time I get a chance, I'm going to hit Donaldson. It's it's absolutely ludicrous, the explanation that was given. I just, I can't believe it. I completely agree with you, Josh. Um, it's, I don't think any pitcher for any matter um, intentionally tries to hit anybody. Um, I would hope not. Uh, but to see the way they kind of tried to get around the situation is... Uh, a little mind boggling. And it, it just shows that, um, professional sports, uh, at the end of the day, no matter what organization we're kind of talking about, um, it's just trying to save, save face at the end of the day. So, uh, I am wondering if this will, um, kind of carry over into the rest of the season because, um, in game, well, I've watched quite a few blue Jays games, um, so far. And, uh, the, umpire the umpires in those games are not doing a good job um so we'll see in my mind the umpire did nothing more than escalate the situation not de-escalate it that is the end of our show for this week i'd like to thank josh watson claire buchanan i'd also like to thank our technical producer matt agnew our technical supervisor is paula denine and our manager of ami audio is andy frank Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Game 7 and take a deep breath, Leap fans. We'll be back next week.